0: Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of baractophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to Liberaldan.com. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the West, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To call the show, it's Erica 347-838-8368. 8368, it's Erica 347-838-8368. You can always also join us in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com. And if you can hit the Skype button from there and connect via Skype. Or if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, and concerns over at the show thread on Liberaldan.com, which will be up in a little bit after the show. Uh, Yesterday was Super Tuesday, uh, so I'm pretty much just going to drop all of the typical bits that we do for the week, and I'm going to go into uh, Super Tuesday and the results and what happened, um, not just with uh, the election results and how many delegates have been won, but with some supposed shenanigans that went on and some really illogical arguments that are coming out of some, some campaigns, uh, which is going to lead me into the whole discussion of the craziness that's going on in the primaries uh, in both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. And I will also um, be talking, if there's time, I'll later in the show, be discussing the Supreme Court case. Uh, That was held today uh, pertaining to the Texas abortion facility restrictions and what those restrictions mean for women in the state of Texas and why some of these people who are defending the law in front of the Supreme Court are actually a little bit hypocritical when it comes to their defense of the law and how they defend the um, access to abortion as it has been impacted by uh, the new regulations that have been set forth supposedly for the safety of women. But as you all know, I call shenanigans on that and I don't believe that anything that a Republican does when it comes to an abortion is going to be done for women's safety. It's going to be done to control uh women's actions and make sure that you know they don't have body autonomy. But first and foremost is the Super Tuesday results. Now so you had lots of primaries and, and I guess the first thing to say is that uh, Ben Carson had such a bad day um And if I had the ability to play music, I'd probably just start playing the "You Had a Bad Day" song. Uh, So delegates won so far. I guess maybe this might just be yesterday. I don't know if it's it's overall or not. According to this page, I think it might be overall. Uh, Trump has 319 delegates. Cruz 226. Rubio 110. uh, Kasich 25. And Carson has eight. And so Carson announced today that he finally saw the writing on the wall and that there is no path for him to actually win uh, this election whatsoever, and he decided to drop out of the race. Now, the thing is is you know, there's used to be that you had pledged delegates and unpledged delegates uh, in the Republican Party, and supposedly the rules were changed in such a way as to prevent – unpledged delegates but it's possible that a candidate could release their delegates so and if they release the delegates those delegates then i believe become unpledged i don't think they are then forced to vote along with um the requirements of the split of the state because you can't re-split up the state so carson releasing his delegates would in, have a net result of there being eight superdelegates or supposed, or unpledged delegates uh, in the GOP. Who could go for whoever they chose? And I don't know who they would choose, but um, so we have I guess one of the first things that's interesting is that in Minnesota, it was interesting because I was listening to Donald Trump's speech yesterday and it was, it was well-timed because at the time he said that um, at he'd only finished first or second in primaries, and well, Minnesota was a caucus, and also hadn't been re- finished they hadn't finished reporting yet, so they still according to Google, they still haven't finished re- reporting yet, and turns out that Marco Rubio won that, Ted Cruz got second, and Donald Trump got third. So he didn't finish first or second in all of the races that uh, exist. But, um, you know, Minnesota – I feel a lot better about Minnesota at this point, although I really have no idea what uh, Marco Rubio could have done uh, to – I mean, did they like the fact that he got immature in the last couple days? Is that what drove his numbers up to – be currently beating Ted Cruz by seven and a half points. I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting that that he actually managed to win his state, uh, and and that 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 state is Minnesota. You know, would we'll think that maybe, you know, because he's from Florida, being close to Georgia, that Georgia would have been a better possibility. But no, it's it's, it's Minnesota, and. So, what does people with like Viking ancestry see in common with people from Cuban? They like ships. They like going people who go over water. I don't know. Um, it's I mean, if they, they'd be closer to Cruz birthwise since Cruz was born in, in Canada. But I guess who know who who can say why. Um, the Minnesotan Republicans decided for Rubio uh, over Cruz and Trump. So I guess you could maybe say that, you know, Minnesota has some sanity. Um, I don't honestly like any of the – I mean, if if Minnesota had sanity, I I think they would probably vote for Kasich over anybody else. Even Kasich isn't good, but he's still – not the worst that they have. Uh, I mean, I guess Marco's not the worst. Marco Rubio is not the worst that they have either. So it's just uh, so Minnesota is just weird, and Minnesota, I guess, gives Marco Rubio something to you know to hold his hat, hang his hat on, and say, "Look, you know, we did it. We won a state." We got more votes than anybody else in one state. Maybe that could happen again. Maybe not, but maybe. So Maybe that gives him reason enough to think that he should stay in the race. But, you know, I've, as I discussed in an earlier week, I don't necessarily believe that you know, uh, that there is a reason for him to leave the race. I mean, if, if he's not short on money. Or if he is, I don't know. I mean, he he obviously is going to get an influx of money from the establishment people that have left the race. If the establishment people really don't want Cruz or Trump elected, uh, so they're going to they will probably keep him afloat as long as it's reasonably possible to do so. And in reality, the only the, I think one of the better paths that Rubio has in this race. Is to hope that enough people siphon off votes to um, to make sure that Trump does not get the mandatory required number of delegates to win It's one thousand two hundred thirty seven that he needs to win the election, and if if if, if his staying in the race allows him to, you know take away more votes from Trump than him dumping the race and letting everybody consolidate around Cruz. The, then I can't imagine why he would want to leave the race because what happens is if you have nobody makes it past the post, uh nobody gets the 1237 delegates that need to win the nomination. The delegates all become unpledged. And at which point it's a free for all, and Marco Rubio could make you know, all those people that are party insiders who were required to vote for um, the delegates that sort of, they were required to vote for who, the, who their states voted for. All of those people become, you know, free to vote for the person that they want. And if they're establishment people, they may very well want uh, Rubio to be the choice. Even if he comes in third, he could be in third place. They could probably pick uh, nope somebody who hasn't even run for president. They could, I guess, technically pick McR- Mitt Romney at that point if if they if shenanigans enough shenanigans happen at the convention. Oh, that would pitch. I'm sure Trump would sue. Well, not that he would have a reason to sue, but he would probably threaten to sue at least because that's what he likes to do. Um, but you know, Trump uh, go through all of the Super Tuesday. Uh, results from march 1st trump alabama 50 delegates Cruz won or uh, trump won 36 alaska cruz managed to win alaska but only by one only by one delegate it was 36.4 to 33.5 so cruz got one more trump got 43.4 percent in alabama in georgia trump got 38.8 percent and uh, 40 uh, delegates Trump won Arkansas, even though it's next, close by to Texas, 16 delegates to Cruz's 14 delegates. I mean, Rubio in that case is nine, which is not nothing, but it's, you're still kind of adding up these little itty bitty little pinpricks and y- you have to, I guess, get one big prick in there before you can actually show that you can do something. Um, Massachusetts. Donald Trump won Massachusetts with almost 50% of the vote getting uh, 22 delegates. Kasich got eight, eight delegates there. Rubio got eight delegates. Cruz got four. Uh, Minnesota Cruz is not very popular up in those northern states. Now, the, Cruz is not going to win Massachusetts by any stretch of the imagination. But Trump pulling in that much, maybe that gives people a thinking, well, maybe he could compete in a state where Mitt Romney was governor. And where there are other Republicans who have been elected statewide, like Scott Brown. Of course, Scott Brown won because of the ineptitude of his opponent, who also lost the gubernatorial race. So, Minnesota, Rubio won, Cruz second, Trump third. Oklahoma, Cruz did win Oklahoma, 14-12-11. It was very very close, delegate-wise, in Oklahoma. Tennessee, Trump gets 38.9, 31 delegates. To Cruz's fourteen to Rubio's nine. Texas, uh forty three point eight percent of Texas, ninety-nine delegates going to Cruz, thirty eight now. That that I mean that obviously Cruz needed to win Texas uh, in order to 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 keep himself in the race as being somebody who is you know, as 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 a non establishment person, it gives him a chunk. And he got almost hundred delegates in that in that election. It's pretty pretty big. Vermont uh, Trump and Kasich both got six delegates. Trump ed eking him out, but for all intents and purposes a tie. Um, and Virginia, Trump won Virginia over Rubio. And Rubio was thought that maybe he could be, have a possible win in Virginia, but nope, he only got 17 delegate. He only got 16 delegates. Trump got 17 delegates. Cruz got eight. Cruz didn't do very well in Virginia, and that that could be. Problematic. Of cruises, Now, Virginia is a I call it a semi swing state. I mean, it's not. You have your swing states of Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Those have been swing states, supposedly been swing states for a while. But you know, and and they're purple in that their you know their legislatures are, are Republican, but they're they vote for Democratic senators and presidents. Um, so. But you know, the odds are that you know most likely a Democrat will probably win Ohio and Pennsylvania and Florida. so maybe there are you know those new newer swing states coming to play like Virginia, like like other places like that. And you know, North Carolina was a shocker. And I'll get to North Carolina in a little bit because there there is some interesting there are some interesting things to say about North Carolina. But with the Republican election, I mean, Cruz is is running away with it and. Mathematically, there's still a way to stop him, but and there are a lot of people who are saying that they the only way to stop him is to call a third candidate, and I, I'm still going to disagree with that. I still believe that if the establishment wants to stop him, they're going to try and keep. You know, they I don't think they needed Carson. You know, some maybe some some of it is a little too much, but with four candidates, do you have with do you have Kasich? You know, working in the northern type of states, you have. Rubio working some states and Cruz working some states, you may very well be able to have them get enough votes to keep Trump from getting 1,237. If that happens, the convention is going to be quite interesting. So let's go ahead and take the first break. Uh, we come back and take your calls as well. That's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also join us in the chat at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan, or leave your your comments, questions, or concerns after the live broadcast at liberaldan.com. After the break, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency, and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with the girls, Monica R.W., and on a I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent, left, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in, OJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To call the show, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. Again, you could join us at the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan, or after the podcast, you can always go to liberaldan.com and leave questions there. So, we talked about the Republican race. Now talking about the Democratic race. Now you have Sanders basically winning four of the races. He won Colorado. He you know, had thirty eight delegates compared to her twenty eight. Fairly solid win. Uh you have Minnesota. Minnesota has forty six uh, Clinton has 29, a, a pretty solid win. You have Vermont. Don't be ridiculous. He got all 16. And what was the fourth one? So Colorado, Sanders, Oklahoma. Yes, he won Oklahoma, 21 delegates, 216. You know, fairly solid wins in the places where he did win. Uh, but Clinton, Clinton won Alabama. 44 delegates to 9. Arkansas, I would hope, 22 delegates to 10. Georgia, 72 delegates to 28. Massachusetts was close, 46 to 45. Uh, you have Tennessee, 42 to 22. Texas, 144 to 73. And Virginia, 61 to 32. So, in sheer number, quality of victory, I mean, Clinton had, I think, much bigger victories delegate wise than Sanders did, even if Sanders had a couple of wins. And, you know, clearly there's a better path, there's a more direct path needed or available for Sanders than there is for, like, uh, Rubio. And there's plenty of votes to be gotten. Um, There's 3,286 delegates available, of which you only need 2,383. There have been um, 1,052 to 427. Now, this includes pledged delegates. And one of the things that Sanders voters are complaining about is, well, they're counting the superdelegates, but they can change their mind. Okay. They are, they can change their mind. And if they do change their mind, if the Sanders uh if the Sanders campaign is able to convince people to change their minds, then those vote totals will be reflected when they do that. But to to not include the superdelegates as a reality within the system, you the reason they do that is because if you take out the superdelegates, you have a situation where the the delegates won in the states are much – the totals are then much closer. That's what the Sanders want, campaign wants you to think. They want you to think, oh, this election is a lot more close than what the reality says it is. And, look, well, I'm not trying to tax Sanders here or his surrogates or his supporters or what have you, um, but – I'm just trying to look at reality here. And I said this before. I said this on Twitter earlier today that I don't care if you're feeling the burn or if you're with her or if you're a GOP supporter amongst any of those other people, if you're a Trumpster, if you're a, a Rubiac, if you're a tetophile. <laughs> Um I don't know if I've heard that before or not, but it just popped into my head, a Tedophile. Um I just I think I do need to just search for that and just see if that is an actual thing well there is a there's a username that uses the word pedophile um, Tedophile should be, but yeah, people are calling him pedophile so and wait it's March the last time I've seen a, t- a tweet. Uh with the file is February third. There's a there's a bad picture there. That's just bad. Anyway, um and I don't even think that there, there's not a lot of people using it presidential election wise. Um you know one, two, three, four, five five people using the word "tedophile," So it's not a very popular at this point in time. I may try and use it. Wow. Um, so if, if regardless of who you are, who you support and whether or not I agree with that support or not, if you make an argument that is either based on a falsehood or based on a logical fallacy or, in some other way, ridiculous, I'm going to call you out on it. For example, I've talked about this before, and I'll bring it up as I don't support Ted Cruz at all. But, if people, when people start playing the birther craft, and try to claim that Ted Cruz is ineligible, I tell them nay-nay, to quote one of my favorite comedians. I say, look, you have plenty of reasons to not support Ted Cruz. Plenty of reasons to not support Ted Cruz. If that's the case, then why do you need to make up something? And that's all that the birtherism is. It's just made up crap. I mean, I talk to some people who claim that they have reasons for doing it, and some of them even try and be consistent with those. But, I mean, the obsession that they have with their false definitions of what it means to be a natural born citizen is goes a little over the top of regular normal thought. Um, But then I'll come in and, you know, I'll defend Ted Cruz for that. When somebody wrongly said that um, Rick Santorum says that Mitt Romney was the worst Republican to run against Barack Obama uh, when it comes to health, care or re- repealing Obamacare uh, because he had Romney care in Massachusetts. Um, and then a New York Times reporter was like, did you really say that, do, do you really believe that Mitt Romney is the worst Republican? Well, no, because he didn't say that. And I was critical of the writer for doing that. So when people start making ridiculous you know, comments in this election about how things are going or trying to make ridiculous claims about the other candidates, I will say something and it's going to, it's going to wind up where I may piss off a lot of people on my side of the aisle. I may piss off a lot of people from the other side of the aisle. and That's more likely, but if if I see you doing something that I find ridiculous, I'm going to call it out. And there has been a lot of ridiculousness recently coming from people who support Bernie Sanders. And I'll be very clear. Bernie Sanders is the Democratic Party's nominee for president, I will enthusiastically support him for the, for for president. If Hillary Clinton wins the Democratic nomination, I will enthusiastically support her for the Democratic nomination, or for the, for the presidency, I mean. So regardless of who wins, they will get my enthusiastic support. Does this mean I will agree with him 100%? No. Does this mean that if either one of them does something that I disagree with, I'm not going to criticize them? No. Um, And does it mean that I have to get along with all of their supporters? No. So here's one example what was going on in this election is is that, you know, they're complaining about the counting of this. And one of my really good friends was doing this. Don't look at the superdelegates. Don't look at the superdelegates. Well, the superdelegates play, play, play a significant part of the selection process. You don't need them. Uh, there's I saw some data today showing that Hillary Clinton wins without the superdelegates. If you would just exclude them all, Hillary Clinton would still likely win. Uh but um, um the uh but they're, they're a reality of the race. And they the way that they're currently pledged plays a part. It plays a part in in, our, in in reality. What is going on? Um, but there's a post, Washington Post one. But Democratic superdelegates steal the election from Bernie Sanders? Probably not. According to the Washington Post. Um, I'm, not seeing the grand, I'm probably just having a difficulty finding the total grand total of superdelegates that there are currently. As they've been awarded, they don't make it clear on the little Google page that is here Um, so but anyway if you look at Google if you look up the presidential primaries you can see the Democratic tab you can click on that and you can see that they have there's the big thick blue line for superdelegates for Clinton and there's a very small thin blue line for superdelegates for Sanders and then if you look at the lighter blue line which is the pledge delegates Hillary Clinton still has more but they are more than bernie sanders's totals so i think it's it's silly to suggest that we shouldn't be looking at these superdelegates when they are reality in the electoral process uh, so what else has been going on in these last uh days well one of the biggest things uh, that i saw was people sharing information talking about how hillary clinton won states that she's not going to win in the general election And somehow being critical of her for this. Now, I consider myself an expert in this area, not to toot my own horn, but I'll tell you why. In the 2008 presidential election, then the primary process, when it was basically between, at that point, between, you know, when it was basically going to be Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. John Edwards wasn't even doing well. And he was kind of just um, there's you you basically you have the one of the debates or one of the forums that they had was you, know, you have the opportunity to elect the first woman president. You have the opportunity to elect the first black president. And then you have John. And the look on John Edwards' face was like, oh, come on, man. And it's understandable why he would be frustrated because he's going up against such monumental things in history and, and he's not a historical candidate. And in fact, he was, a, you know, not a hysterical candidate either. He was a bad candidate who did things to make him not be able to win the election. Um, we won't go into that. But point is that you know, Senator Hillary Clinton was going around winning states like Massachusetts, winning states, winning the states that the Democrats need to win to get the election. The the new Obama campaign was going around winning Georgia, winning Alabama, Mississippi, winning states that the Democrats won't win. And at the time, I questioned it. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, I thought that, you know, you would want to try and win those other states. Well, it turns out I was wrong. And I blogged about how I how I disagreed with the strategy and how I thought I would question if that strategy would work, and it turned out that I was absolutely one hundred percent wrong. And then I blogged about the fact that I was one hundred percent wrong, and and I explained why. Not only be you know it was a smart campaigning. He was able to go in. He was able to get his base up and out, and also the combination of him doing that plus a favorable Senate matchup in North Carolina, allowed Obama to win North Carolina, something that I don't think anybody would have predicted prior to, or at, at the Democratic convention. Nobody probably sat there and said, you know what? We have a real shot in North Carolina. Let's go do it. No, but I think part of him going out and getting his base out and, and getting the support in those other areas enabled him to get the support he needed to win more seats than what he probably but most people probably thought he could have. So, and now you have Hillary Clinton winning Alabama, winning Georgia, winning Texas, winning large numbers of states that Hillary Clinton is not going to win when it comes to the fall election. But to criticize her for doing... Exactly what Obama did to win the nomination is just bizarre and very forgetful of history. Now, maybe it's because that a lot of the people who are getting out there voting for Bernie Sanders now are between were between 10 and 18 or 10 and 17 at the time when Obama was running for office, and maybe they don't remember that sort of thing because they were so young. Maybe that's the case. A lot of the millennials who are who are uh, being supportive of the Sanders campaign, maybe they just don't realize, you know, that's what Obama did too, and that's what a smart candidate does. Smart candidate goes after the base. So the idea that she is somehow doing something bad—I mean, there's this—I mean, I quoted it. The only reason I quoted this Twitter account is because the Twitter account has, like, I don't know, 17 followers. Um, Hillary Clinton wins primary only in Republican states in general election. Um, after winning seven states in Democratic primary Tuesday night, presidential candidate Hillary Clinton made sure to thank her volunteers while trying to, not to mention the states won, are most likely going to be Republican states in general election anyway. So... Who cares and, and and also In the same race Hillary beat out Sanders In Massachusetts And also in the same race Oklahoma was won by Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders isn't going to win Oklahoma in the fall If he gets the nomination uh, Both candidates should win Massachusetts it, it, Here's the thing Democratic candidates are most likely Going to win Democratic states Unless you have idiots who look at the election and are like, oh, well, my person didn't win, so I'm going to stay home. Now, the people who are Democrats in Democrat states are going to vote for the Democratic candidates, so why not go after those other states, especially if you think you could do them in a cost-effective way? So it's just bizarre. And then, well, let me go ahead. I'll take the next break and then take your calls as well. 347-838-8368. Error code 347-838-8368. And after we come back from the break, I will talk more about some more of the silliness that's going on in the election and some of the other issues of day as well. Liberal Land Radio, talk from the left. That's right. You need legal representation or advice on issues such as family law, bankruptcy law, DWI, or other civil or criminal matters. You need hands-on legal advice from someone who will treat you as a priority and not just another number. So call the law office of Sherry I. Sandler at 504-528-9500. That's 504-528-9500. Or email sandlerlaw at cox.net. I trust Sherry with my legal needs. So should you. The preceding ad was an unpaid client endorsement do you like fun jewelry do you wish you could design jewelry that is designed just for you and that tells your story well with origami owl you can do just that an origami owl jewelry bar is a fun way to get together with your friends hang out and design jewelry there is no pressure to buy but when you host a party either in person or online you have the opportunity to get deeply discounted jewelry based on what the friends you invite to the party purchase if you would be interested in holding a party either online or in person go to cassiezcharms.origamiowl.com that is c a s s i e z charms.origamiowl.com and contact cassie today Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk to the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. If you want to call the show, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. Uh, you can also join us in chat room in the chat room and leave your comments at liberaldan.com after the show. Um, another thing popped up uh, in Massachusetts during Super Tuesday um, is that uh president former President Bill Clinton showed up at several polling places and he was there and he why what i what do I have evidence of? He bought coffee from a bake sale uh he shook some hands and apparently his presence inconvenienced some who were trying to get into the polls um based off of I guess a speaking engagement that he had in that day so you know one of the things I'm looking at now is is that uh more than 45,000 signed a petition to arrest Bill Clinton More than 35, according to CNBC.com, they are alleging that Bill Clinton violated Massachusetts' election laws, uh, that he went to a polling station, Uh, he talked with poll workers, took took a photo with a woman at the Holy Name Parish Gymnasium in West Roxbury, Um, the petition charges that Bill Clinton made it, quote, clear, knowing an egregious violation of the campaign laws to swing an election, In a significant way. He also entered a polling station in Newton and attended an event outside the polling location in New Bedford, according to The Globe. A legal summary from Massachusetts Secretary of State says that on election day, certain activities are prohibited within a polling location and within 150 feet of the polling place. A person standing within 150 feet, uh, including observers, may not hold any campaign sign, hand any person literature uh, to influence the voters' action, or any campaign buttons or identify excitage, solicit a person's vote for against a candidate, or question in the ballot, or distribute stickers. Uh, so that those would be actions um, that Bill Clinton um, would have had to have done to violate the election law. So did he do those things? I don't know if there's evidence that if he did it or not. Um, Criticism, despite no report of the former president explicitly asking voters to support his wife, the online petition alleges that he was, quote, electioneering within the boundary. Um, The top voted comments on change.org profile read, I'm 100% done with the cheating, blah, 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 Bernie or bust. Uh, But in reality, there's... No evidence that I have seen, no video that I have seen, no appointments anywhere showing uh, President Bill Clinton doing anything that was listed again. He was standing at, at any time when he was standing within 150 feet of the polling location. Did he hold the campaign sign? Did he hand any person literature intended to influence the voters' actions at the polls? Did he wear any campaign buttons or identifying signage? Did he solicit for a vote? Did he vote for or against a candidate in question in the ballot? Or did he distribute stickers? Did he do any of those things? If he did those things, then okay, he should be punished. I have no problem with that. I don't think that anybody is above the law. But this, to me, sounds more like desperate Sanders supporters who are frustrated in the fact their candidate isn't getting enough traction to win the primary, and as such, they're going to, instead of being you know, good losers, they're going to be sore losers, and they're going to wind up doing something at the end of the day that's going to hurt their overall sense because cause th- this is the deal, and, and, and I'll be talking about this in a second, um, but I've been saying this since before Scalia died. I've been saying this for months. I've been saying this to people when there was more people in the Democratic election. I was saying this to people even before, I think maybe even before Bernie Sanders even jumped into the election. The A number one most important issue in this presidential election is the person is is giving the power to name Supreme Court justices. Period, end of story you may have a lot of other issues that you care about. And I have a lot of issues that I care about as well. But currently, the courts are the last best line of defense to protect individual freedoms and to protect us from tyrannical religious religious zealots who want to enforce their religious will on us as a nation. They want to roll back rights that, that have been hard fought for and won. And the only way to stop them is to make sure that you have five votes on the court. And at the moment, we really only have four and a half. There are some issues that Kennedy can be relied on. There are some issues where he can't be relied on. So you are going to have a big problem if a Ted Cruz gets to name Scalia's replacement and or what happens if during the next presidential term, something, God forbid, happens to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ugh, that would be even worse. Because you have Ted Cruz in her replacements, all of you people feeling the burn, or all of you people tweeting that quote, hashtag, I'm with her, all of you people, you know, who are going to be mad that the other person wins. I've heard this more from Bernie Sanders supporters than I have from Hillary Clinton supporters. But I have heard it from Clinton supporters, too. So the criticism goes for both all people who would do this. If you're willing to hand their election to a Republican because you, your choice didn't win, then you're an idiot. I'm sorry, but you're an idiot. Now, does this mean that all people who voted for Bernie Sanders who vote third party in the general election are idiots? Not necessarily. Why? Louisiana, for example, is not going to vote for the Democrat. Don't care. I don't care what arguments you make, unless there's polling data showing that the Republican candidate picked could be beaten by the Demo- beat by the beated, beat by the Democratic candidate picked. Then, but I don't think it's going to happen. There's no way. Yes, we just elected a Democratic governor because the person he was running against was David Vitter, and the Democratic governor was pro-life and pro-gun and and there was there was not there were less areas to hang their hats this democratic governor who won would probably be a republican governor somewhere else but is democratic he's a democrat here for certain issues and i agree with him on those issues but i don't i'm not, i wasn't you know you don't have, i said it earlier, earlier in the show if hillary clinton is the nominee i'll enthusiastically back her if bernie sanders was the is the nominee i'll enthusiastically support him my support for Governor John Bell Edwards was not enthusiastic by any stretch of the imagination. It was very just, okay, I guess I'll vote for him. I need to vote against Vitter. I would much rather see him than Vitter, but I probably was a little more enthusiastic than what if it was like the Jay Darden, for example, he was another Republican running. If Jay Darden would have been running against David Vitter, I would have voted for Jay Darden and and then less enthusiastically than I voted for John Bell Edwards. But that doesn't mean that my vote for John Bell Edwards was very enthusiastic. It was not. But so but I'm gonna vote for these two regardless. So but the idea so but in Louisiana, again, it's a very conservative state, the you know while it was four fifty five forty five uh for Edwards, the results were flipped for the lieutenant governor. The lieutenant governor beat um, Kip Holden, a Democratic mayor from Baton Rouge. So, you know, he he was, uh, you know, if if he if would have had another Republican against John Bell Edwards, you probably would have seen that Republican win. Um, so, Louisiana is not going to go for the Democratic candidate. That that's the point I was getting to. And well, someone was in the chat room and they left. Louisiana is not going to go that way. So if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter in Louisiana and you vote for a third party, Jill, I want to say, Stein, maybe, the Green Party candidate or whomever you want to vote for, third party, your vote is not likely to impact the end result of the election. And as such, you should feel free to vote that conscious. I don't care. But you're in Florida, Virginia, maybe even North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, maybe even Indiana, Missouri, or Missouri, Michigan, Wisconsin, even Wisconsin. That's pretty, you know, red state governor-wise. But if you're in any of these states where a candidate could win, that a Democratic candidate could win, but doesn't if the people who voted for the other Democratic candidate in the primary sit it's at home or goes for somebody else, you're an idiot. Plain and simple. Why is it important here? Well, what was the case we heard today? Texas abortion law, Texas Texas abortion provided law requires that you have certain ambulatory measures set forth uh, that aren't required in other places. And it requires that the doctors in these abortion clinics have Admitting privileges in emergency rooms. Now, I've already talked about the admitting privileges deal. I've already talked about that. Um, It's wrong, it's silly, stupid, you have an argument that basically says that something happens in an emergency, that instead of just sending them to an emergency room, that you have to be the doctor that admits them to the hospital. That's dumb. Send them to the emergency room. Let the emergency room doctor admit them into the hospital if it is an emergency. So there's that um I'm looking at the transcripts now there was there was a really good part of the transcript that I should have copied and pasted earlier when I was looking at it and one of the things though that basically that they require of these places different requirements to do in other places but you now basically you know there's, there's evidence that this law cause these places to shut down and um, in which place uh, you have an issue of capacity to handle these people. But you also have the fact that they probably unconstitutionally had to shut down because of that. However, one of the things that was being asked of the, those defending the law, defending the law is that they, they were talking about people in different areas of Texas and how long those people would have to drive to get an abortion. And in parts near New Mexico, they're they're not very far, like I think maybe a mile across the border from Texas, you have an abortion clinic. And New Mexico law does not require admitting room privileges and does not require the same requirements on abortion clinics as Texas does. So, one would not think, if if women's health was vital to the people pushing this law, you would think that they would not want to use New Mexico abortion facilities as an example of an abortion facility that could be used uh, for access to the legal medical procedure that it's called. But they did. They used the argument that, you are. they can go use these clinics that are across the border and there is no issue with that because they have, still have access. Well, why can these women choose access? You know, you're know, you basically saying that these women have access to abortion at clinics that do not meet your standards of what a woman should have, which, to me, makes their argument just blow up. It makes their argument just blow up. It just nukes it. And the people listening in this case. Uh, and if you if you look at the reading, and I haven't read the entire thing, but you look at arguments made by Roberts, you look at arguments made by Alito, these people well here's the thing I was talking about. There are requirements There's, if you're if you're going in for a D and C procedure, a dilation and curettage. You can go. A dilation and curettage are performed in offices for lots of other conditions besides abortions. And Justice Sotomayor brought that up. She brought up the fact that there is no requirement in the Texas law for women who have a miscarriage who go get a D and C to get to have these requirements. They don't have to have emergency room admittance privileges. They don't have to have uh, the surgical suites or whatever that are required. So, according to Ms. Toady, who was, I guess, attacking the law, the evidence in the record shows that procedures are virtually identical, particularly when a DNC performed to complete a spontaneous miscarriage. So when a woman miscarries and it follows up with a doctor, the doctor will typically perform a DNC, and that's virtually identical to an abortion, but it's not subject to the requirements of HB2. So your point I'm taking is that two main health reasons show that the law is targeted with abortions only. That's correct, Your Honor. Um, is there any other medical condition by taking the pills that are required to be done in a hospital as to not prelude a procedure in a hospital, but an independent, you know, I know there are cancer treatments by pills now. How many of those are required to be done in front of the doctor? None, Your Honor. There are no other medical medication requirements, no other outpatient procedures that are required by law to be formed in an ambul- ambulatory surgical center. So basically what they're saying is, is that you know if, if, you, if you miscarry and have to go get a DNC, then you are not required to go to a place. Your doctor is not required to be, have an ambulatory surgical center. Your doctor can just do it in the office. But if your doctor's doing an abortion, it needs to be an ambulatory c- center, even though there's no difference between two operations. Furthermore, if you're going to get a pill to treat an abortion in an earlier term, You have to do it in a doctor's office, too. Why? Is there any other place where you have to get a pill in an ambulatory surgical center? Why can't you just take the pill at home? doesn't make any sense. Except for the fact that they want to have a situation where they they want to prevent abortions. And that's all this is about, preventing abortions. And that's all – and – So when it comes down to the presidential election and who you're going to pick, to me, and and maybe, you know, maybe I'm overstating my case in that maybe maybe I'm out there and thinking that Supreme Court justice nominations are not the most important thing. Maybe some other people have some good, viable reasoning as to why. Supreme Court nominations are lower on the list. Even maybe before Scalia died. Maybe there are other reasons, things that they're concerned about. But in reality, all of these things that people want to have happen. Be they defending certain things. If they want they want laws to be passed in order to break up banks or or to to end citizens you not one of the in order to overturn Citizens United at this point, you need a fifth justice who's liberal. You need five, because Kennedy is not it. You need a fifth liberal judge to overturn Citizens United. And that's one of the things that Bernie Sanders wants to do. So if you're quote feeling the burn, you need to know that these it's that, not going to happen unless you have a constitutional amendment which would be a lot harder to do it's not going to happen unless you have somebody in the Supreme Court who's going to say look this past court ruling was bunk and it needs to be solved and it needs to be fixed that's why I'm going to sit here and say the Supreme Court nomination is the most number one important thing in this election and there's really not, there's nothing else that even comes close and that was before Scalia died, now that Scalia's is dead absolutely it's the number one thing that you need to take into consideration that's why I'm going to vote for the Democratic nominee is and why I'm pressuring that those who are going to stay home or not vote for the Democratic nominee if they live in a state where it matters anyway that's the end of this show I'll be back next week I'm sure there'll be, I have no fear, no fear in my mind that there's going to be more stupidity to talk about next week until next week 8pm central on blog talk radio follow me at liberal band on twitter facebook.com slash liberal band liberal Band.com. Little Band of Radio Across from the West That's right